Hi, everyone. How's everybody's week? We, um, <laughs> I have, I'm, I'm going to have to say this. After last week, when I was saying, does anybody remember when I was saying that why didn't God, you know, he used the Hebrew culture to deliver some truth and understanding. I was saying he could have used or created any culture to do this, but I was saying, well, you know, why didn't he use the Canadian culture? And a bro- dear brother of mine came up to me and said, Curtis, well, it's because they couldn't find a virgin or any wise men. <laughs> Canada struggles on many fronts. That is true. We, um, we have, um, we've gone through some pretty sort of challenging stuff, and Hopefully, I think, I'm hoping by the end of tonight that we're going to maybe start to go down a journey where um, where we have some people on one side of the fence that think somehow by uh, the works of the law, they can achieve salvation, uh, which the Bible tells us that's clearly not the case. We also have on the other side of the fence that somehow God has erased and eradicated the foundations of perhaps what I hope I'm going to share with you tonight is our marriage covenant. We've been on a bit of a journey where um, I've been trying to share with you that perhaps um, perhaps there's an adversary that's trying to get us to miss the point. And one of the ways we can do that is we can... Um, take away context and try and redefine things and try and, I don't know, look at things in a way that can kind of marry with our own image of God and His truth or whatever it might be today. We're all guilty of that. Um, As I go through this journey, and I believe that our hearts um, are being worked on by the Holy Spirit, that something's being put here. As a result of that, we are a work in progress. Um... Nobody is, um, there was one sinless lamb, and that was our groom, our Savior, and our King. He was the only one perfect enough and worthy enough. And at the end of the book of Revelation, we find he's the only one worthy. Remember, John fell down. He was, he was upset because there was nobody found worthy to open except one. So when we look at these things, we can look at it from a self-abasement perspective and go, well, I'm not good enough, or I need to do more, or, you know, let's have a theological argument, or whatever it is that's going on. But my encouragement to you is this. If we don't change what he has said, if we just understand what is written, and we allow the Spirit of God to bring that to life in our lives, and know that his plan is perfect, we don't actually have to play games theologically. When something I know in Scripture that I don't understand starts happening, believe me, has anybody lived a life reading Scripture and contending and going, what the heck does that mean? Has anybody experienced that? I do all the time. One thing I'm learning slowly um, is just because I'm struggling with understanding what's written to me doesn't mean that there's not a life-giving truth for me to discover. And I'm slowly learning that I don't have the license to remove it or twist it just because I don't understand what I'm actually reading. There is, um, and in fact, in my big statements, 
you know, we've been sort of going through, does context matter, and Israel, what is the church, and why should we care, and the riverbanks of theology, you know, what is sin, um, we get caught chasing shadows or pretending we don't have them, uh, or have a distorted view of them, um, and then we looked at a groom who died for us, and what is this covenant? And tonight, uh, what I want to say and end with, and hopefully we'll get there in a way that you'll understand, but I, I, won't, I won't sugarcoat this too much. There's going to be some things that are going to shake you a little bit along the way tonight. But as that's happening and stirring you up, it's okay. Let's just get through it, and let's, uh, let's get to the end conclusion. Because if we don't throw out what God's trying to say to us, what I promise you is this. The blood that bought you will only have greater meaning. The freedom that is truly found in Messiah, the truth that sets us free, will only make you freer. And we don't have to throw things out or add things in to actually have the Spirit of God change our lives. We just don't need to do that. Um, so I encourage you as we work through this tonight and just have a look at some things that are rather challenging to the body. And your homework after tonight, we can't do it, but you're going to need to go through a book called Galatians and Romans after we're done tonight. And you hopefully will start to see it with another set of eyes of what you're actually reading because the English is a bit of a challenge. It really is. But these books are incredibly beautiful if you understand them in context and if you understand what Paul was truly facing when he was speaking to the Galatians, but more so what the Galatians were actually living. They absolutely knew that they had been rejected from a marriage covenant. Yet they were trying to still honor his ways the best they could. And in fact, if you understand what actually occurred at Shavuot or what you would know as Pentecost, these were believers that were arriving because does anybody know that Pentecost or Shavuot is one of the three appointed times where we're commanded to come together? They were honoring the appointed times. These were the lost sheep. And they were coming in from all different nations, tongues and languages. There was no coincidence. It wasn't just a random happening. They were all standing around having a chit-chat and something went down. You're talking about a major appointed time of tongues and languages and cultures and people that had had a remnant and an understanding of the very house they'd been injected from. And do you know what Paul was showing up and speaking to the Galatians? you know the hope he was giving them? You can come back. There's a way. We find that hard to understand because we live in the luxury of a, of a country, a nation. We haven't been um, dispelled from our own people and our own nation. You know, but if we were all shoved on the Chatham Islands one day because of something that had gone down, and we yearned to get home, and we yearned to be with those that we loved, and a high political official from the New Zealand government showed up one day and said, guess what, I've got good news for you. There's a way back. You'd be pretty happy to. The context of historically understanding what they were experiencing, what they felt, the rejection they understood, the hope they had lost, is the position we need to understand when we're reading Scripture. Did anybody come to the wedding last night? Yeah, wasn't that fantastic? Yeah beautiful typology playing out that was being shared that there's a greater covenant picture shadow picture here at play um, Greg sorry I have to <laughs> mention this but Greg did a beautiful um, so did anybody enjoy that 
Do you notice that Greg ultimately was finishing with, by the way, all of this is a shadow picture of something much greater? Our life, what we call life, this digital simulation, is the shadow picture. We need to understand this. So everything he's given us in it is pointing to the substance, is pointing to the plan of where it's going to. But we sometimes want to make the shadow what? The real picture. We get caught up in that, don't we? We sweat bullets, the little things. We argue with each other. We have theological arguments. We do all sorts of manner of weirdness. And it's separating us, and it's, and it's destroying the unity in the body of Christ. If there's anything I can do tonight, and when we finish this, is please, please go look at the context of what you're reading. Uh, try and understand who the Galatians actually were, and you'll get a glimpse of what Paul was trying to say. And in Romans, don't just take it from your perspective 2,000 years ago and think that's exactly what they were. Please. We want to understand the truth of what was happening so that we understand the beautiful essence of what happened with the blood that bought us. If we take this out of context, we could lose the picture and not understand the shadow that's being cast, not understand that we are actually the shadow, not understand what the substance is actually pointing to. So my big statement here, and if you had heard Greg's message last night, he was really touching on this, but the thing that I was saying, that if, if we can mess up our understanding of who and what God is doing with a house, and that you've been invited to be a part of a restored house, and if we don't understand that he's based this all on a perspective of a marriage covenant, then we could get some pretty serious weirdness in the body and some serious arguments and some serious division. So we looked at the modern church. And again, there's problems with all of them. I'll just go back for a sec. There's problems with all of them. Uh, but essentially, around the third century, there was a replacement theology that said, really, the house is rejected. It doesn't matter anymore. And this made its way into what we understand as Catholicism and a lot of orthodoxy. This has made up a lot of what I call the Christian Talmud or precepts and teachings that have flown right in to roughly around when Martin Luther started to create what was called the Protestant movement and came against a lot of the teaching that was going on there. Some interesting stuff followed him and it came in through uh, Darby and dispensationalism that started to say, okay, well, if it still matters, because what the Protestant movement did is it started to say, well, wait a minute, Israel still matters here. So all you can do now is then redefine it from that position. So he said, okay, Israel matters, now it's a house divided. So now we've got two things going on. Um, and in that, and a lot of people would not know this, do your homework on Martin Luther, he was an extremely anti-Semitic person. He was against the Jewish people. If you think the Protestant movement was some beautiful thing that God was doing, I want to tell you that this theology here changed few denominations in the body of Christ into 30,000 plus. It wasn't that it didn't go far enough. It actually didn't go back to understanding what it was. Big difference. And then we have this covenant theology. 
And this has been maintained right through the last 2,000 years. However, we've got some weirdness going on in these movements, and at extreme levels, like I said, you can get the shadow chasers where somehow the works of the law need to actually complement the blood of Christ in order for you to be saved. And I'd suggest to you, if you read your scriptures, you're not going to find that. So what's actually happening? And why would it happen? So we're showing this whole spirit and truth. And there's a time where he's coming where he wishes us to worship him in spirit and truth. And so this, is, this was the cry of our Messiah and something that was going to come. Now, we've called it the church age. Does anybody ever, does anybody know that there's nowhere in the scripture you're going to find something called the church age? Do you know you can't find that in the scripture? The church age. doesn't exist. It's a terminology we use in our Christian Talmud. We actually don't find it in scripture. So you just got to be careful that way when we get teachings and all these sorts of things. What's actually in the word? Does anybody know you won't find Old Testament, New Testament in scripture? You'll find it in the headings that we put in printed Bibles. Do you know you won't find the term spiritual Israel? See, there's things that we, we anchor onto that we think they're truths, but we've got to understand his word is his word. Does anybody know you don't find chapter and verse in all the books of Scripture? That came in in the 3rd and 4th century. Interesting, isn't it? The adversary even wants to divide up the word and then the body with it. One of the reasons why I say that, and in fact, I, I say to people, I purposely don't try to memorize Scripture anymore, and they're like, <gasps> and one of the reasons for that is that when I know it's in what book it's in, guess what I have to now do? I have to read the whole thing sometimes. Now, I, it's hard to get something out of context if I'm reading the whole book. Do you see what I mean? But if I can just take little snippets of Scripture, and unfortunately, when we're in these teaching environments, I have to do that, but I'm certainly going to encourage you. We need to understand the context of what we're actually reading. Else we can actually misquote. Has anybody misquoted Scripture? Wouldn't you like to take that back? See, we're not here to say you're bad and, oh, you did this and you did that. I mean, who wouldn't be a hypocrite? I'm a work in progress. What I even dare claim to have a circumcised heart before you and the Lord right now. No way. I'll tell you, when he's done with me, I'll breathe my last breath. And if I don't walk with a body that's getting this, if I don't walk with a body that wants me to finish the race as much as I want you to, then I've probably got a lot less of a chance of finishing that race. Because there's one thing we all have in common here tonight. We're going to stand before him. And we actually can't fake this. We will stand before the one who bought us. I don't know about you, but some nights that just is sobering to me. I just sit there on my balcony. I'm just going, okay, that's a reverent fear. That's a good one. Because a reverent fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Not that we'd come puffed up in, 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 in our own vain understanding of things and then lord this over others. I've got to stand in front of them too. I'd suggest to you that when you see the big bonfire going on, that's a lot of my hands double. It'll be a smoke stream heading for a very high place. I've got a lot of things to answer for when I stand before him. I'm hoping that's reducing in my life.
and I need to walk with people that are going to help me get there, just like I want him to help you get there. We are not the enemy. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Look beside you. Look at the people you're with. Look seriously. Understand who's with you here right now. If we get this, you will help each other finish this as a body in discipleship. This is your family. These are the ones that are going to help you. They're not the enemy. I'm suggesting that there's something coming, and it's actually happening over the face of the earth, that people are starting to get off all this theology kicks and all the extremes of the riverbanks. This one's interesting. I actually don't know of one denomination that's come from a covenant-based theology anywhere in the world. This one, if you get it, actually doesn't allow you to. It's really quite fascinating. You can still have people that don't understand things or might be disagreeing in this camp, but it's not creating new denominations. It's not chopping the body up. The fruit of this is interesting. Does anybody believe that? Why even say it if it wasn't necessary? Yeah, exactly. About nine years ago, eight, nine years ago in my life, I needed to get that. I needed to hear that. The fires of my life were just starting to kick in. And I literally can relate to this now because it was like the Holy Spirit was telling me, Curtis, I'm not looking for your version of anything. I'm looking for my version. And I want to know if it's in you. It wasn't. It wasn't. I had a lot of knowledge. But my understanding of that knowledge, I assure you, was not in line yet. And today, it's being put in line. Is it perfect? No. Have I had all things revealed to me yet? No. But what I can share with you is what I got wrong and the testimonies that come from my fire. Do you know I used to speak from a place of knowledge? I used to speak from a place of, um, I understand.